Hey guys, and welcome back to season two, episode two of Mind the Back Chat. Again, as always, with me, George, and my co-host, Gabriel. Gabe, Gabs. Gabs. What are I'm you doing, rusty, man. man. It's rusty. been two months. Well, it was two months. Yeah, because when we're recording this, we just done an episode of last week's with our special guest, Jacob Hassan. Yep. who talked hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So if you haven't already listened to that, check it out because it is incredibly information-based mm-hmm. topic and, yeah, just blew my mind and uh, answers a lot of really good questions. Um, whereas today we're going to be talking about red flags. What are they? Which ones me and Gabs have seen and how to kind of deal with them? Because a lot of time people just think osteopaths just see and treat backs. No, we see the whole body and we see a lot walking through our doors. And let's start off with Gabs because the idea for this episode came to me when Gabs spoke to me the other day for mm. an opinion as well yeah. on regards to a case that you had. Yeah, um, I, it was a very interesting case because it was almost as if um, it was kind of like, okay, this has occurred and this individual had experience of it previously. And... To, to his knowledge, it did not feel as though it was a red flag or for him to go to A&E. But then when it did kind of kick in, I was just like, oh no, you need to leave. Uh, so you know what? Let's start from the top. This individual was in his 40s, quite young. Um, his job requires a lot of aviation. Uh, so he flies quite often. Um, he doesn't take any medications aside for uh, blood thinners. Um, so th- there's already a little bit of a cue where mm. we've got some interest with his cardiovascular system. Yeah. Um, he's had previous history of a uh, blood clot 18 months ago, um, and it came in the form of a DVT. Um, and essentially, he got it treated, it's absolutely fine. Um, but this time essentially came in a bit of pain in the calf, couldn't quite explain what was going on, but because he's had this previous experience, he kind of said, um, I don't think it's a DVT. I don't think it's a clot. Um, but the more we got into the case history, the more I was getting this clouded kind of dawning feeling, Mm. um, to which, you know, I, I think... I felt his calf, did some tests, and... What did you feel? What what, what did you see in the calf as well? What so does a DVT present as? DVT um, more generally presents as a pain in the back of the knee that is almost constantly there, but more aggravated if there's any form of exercise because of the lack of oxygen and the buildup of lactic acid going down into the ankle and knee, or calf as such. Um, It can present as a swollen uh, calf area with heat, redness, Mm -hmm. and uh, more commonly, the redness starts to occur around the medial aspects or the middle part of your um, calf, just simply because of the specific vein that is present in that area. And just a lot of pain with it as well. And is more susceptible to clotting and a lot of pain. Um, So one of the tests that we did was um, essentially feeling for pulses. There was a real difference between the two sides, uh, especially the medial malleolar pulse, which is around the ankle. Mm. Um, There was a very, very faint uh, pulse going down into uh, the posterior part of the knee as well. However, I I think what kind of um, 
made it quite grey to me was there was no redness, there was swelling, but it was just one-sided. Yeah. And it was almost as if something was not quite right. Yeah. Even if he did that, that previous experience of a DVT, something was not quite right. Um, to which I went, you need to get this seen. I'm not going to touch your leg anymore. It's, uh, one of, it's one of those ones where even if you've got the smallest bit of doubt in your head about it, you don't wait around, you act. Yeah. Because if you're DVT, so that if the if this clot becomes loose and goes back into the blood system, it will go into your lungs and then it causes hell. Yeah. And um, just to clarify, DVT, if you don't, if you do want to search it up, it, it's a short hand uh, name for deep vein thrombosis. Um, and essentially with this guy, I said, look, uh, give me five minutes. I'm going to do this note. Yeah. I'm going to give you a letter. You're going to show that to the receptionist. You're going to go show show it to them and eventually i'm hoping they will just get to work asap because if that thing becomes dislodged and as we said ghost lung causes havoc causing mm-hmm. uh pulmonary um embolism that can be fatal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's you not need a to... small deal so it's like a act now to yeah. get, be safe and he kind of went do you want me to go to a gp or do you want me to go now now i kind of said to be honest cancel work go to A&E now please mm. and I, I didn't want to say it in a way that uh, it's always one of those things where you're kind of like now listen you don't want to scare them it's, yeah so you're like I've seen this this is what I've got to keep an eye out for for this such stuff you've got a couple of those symptoms the last thing I want to do is go prodding my fingers around there and go moving around at anything mm. and cause any problems so we're going to play it safe you're going to get this checked out best case scenario I'm completely wrong and we, you come back and we look at it, but you have got a couple of these symptoms. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to touch that. Yeah. I don't want to put you at any risk. So let's just get it sorted out. I know it's a hassle going to A&E sometimes, but for this, this is one of those moments where it's just, you're better off getting it checked and you know, you'll get told this by anybody else. Mm. And it, it, it was one of my sort of humbling experiences because, um, I called him up the next day and I said, hey, um, because I sent him a text to say, how are things gone and um, any results? No response. Um, But the next morning I I was a bit adamant and I I wanted to understand what was the situation. So I called him up and he turned around and went, I I just want to be very thankful for for your honest opinion. I I wouldn't have gone to A&E if it wasn't for you. And I just really want to say thanks for uh, your honesty and for pushing me to go to A&E because um, they found a clot mm. in my lungs which is pulmonary embolism uh, so whatever was in his calf had travelled to his lung and it people don't necessarily die in 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 a couple of days or hours or 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 seconds it can even stay there for a couple of months to a year before it really starts to become problematic however do we really want that to occur not really no um so to me hearing that actually made me tear up a little bit because it gave me the understanding of we are truly and utterly primary healthcare because um we are there when people need us the most and it's all and it also gives us that other aspect of like all that training for these red flags to look out for these things to identify these things wasn't wasted and it's and it always come back to it like uh, when people say oh you know osteopaths just treat back so i had somebody the other day say 
isn't osteopathy just treating of the head? And I was kind of like, no, no way mm. at all. We we look at the whole body and, you know, they're like, oh, did you go to university to study osteopathy? It's like, yeah, oh. I like genuinely, like yeah. some people just think it's like a bit, no offense to sports massage therapy, but they think it's just, you pick up a few techniques and a bit of anatomy of the body and you go. And it's like, no, you know, there's subjects on pharmacology, there's subjects mm. on uh, pathology, medical, general medical screening and all these kind of things. And, you know, it's, when you have those moments where you see it and you're able to get that person to the care they need and then they're grateful for that, it's kind of like going like, okay, you know, this is a, it, it's a great feeling because it's, and the education you've, you've, that you've helped something. Yeah. And the education that we get gives us that innate gut feeling mm. because I, you know, I haven't seen too many DVTs or, or, or embolisms. So my, my bank of experiences in that aspect was quite limited. Yeah. But that gut feeling I had was, this is wrong. Something's here. I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. But you need to go now. And it was like, dun, 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 finish. It's like you tick the boxes and... If you tick anything more than one or two, you're kind of like, yeah, this is, and and it and it is a gut feeling kind of sensation. I my first red flag for a patient came when I was at uni. Mm. Uh, same corda equina, which is basically where the spinal cord in your low back gets impinged either by a disc or some bony element in the back, which cuts off the nerve supply to your legs, causing extreme pain, numbness, tingling, muscle wastage. You know, basically just you can lose whole function of your lower extremity, uh, paralyze you. Um, and the patient, and like, I remember being taught quarter equina, and my tutor said, you're probably never going to see this in your career. Yeah, yeah. A one in 500,000 chance you'll see this walk into your clinic. I've had seven since, you know. Brutal. Um, and it was a case of, and I was glad I had my first one with a tutor in the room. Cause we, mm. And I had a bunch of observers in the room with me who are yeah. my peers, you know, and we're all there and we're all kind of like, oh my God, this is actually happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But having one red flag prepares you for a lot of other ones. Mm. And ha I was very lucky in that way of having that experience with a tutor who's seen them themselves and with my colleagues because... I could see how they discussed it with them. And, you know, my tutor at the time was very much like, I'm 99% of the time when it comes to things like this, I'm wrong. But mm. there is an element here where I'm seeing this, 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 and we're going to call you an ambulance and get you to hospital. Because yeah. in some studies, it's if you don't get it sorted out within the first four to six hours, you can become paralyzed for life. Yeah. If it's a full quarter requiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, in this case, we were looking at a partial afterwards, but still had to be sent to hospital and they were very grateful um but yeah as i said like i then when i graduated after that within the first three months i had a patient come in following a, a total knee replacement mm -hmm. they've had one before the first one was absolutely fine second one oh we're still getting a bit of pain afterwards mm -hmm. gp refers them to me because i was working alongside the nhs at the time and i looked at it and it was this i'll never forget it it was this massive swollen red hot knee Mm. and they were struggling to walk when they came in and they just they kept saying like just hasn't been anything like the other knee and i was just like this looks like it's infected mm. mm -hmm. this just again it was that kind of thing i've never seen an infected knee before but if it had this, to slap me in the face tick it this, looked like this tick this and it was like for the first time ever a bit like yours it was black and white not gray it was like yeah this isn't right sent her off and yeah with straight to a and e and it was like oh gosh yeah this is infected let's get it sorted and yeah. 
again catching it early mm. and yeah you get the you get the feedback it's like i really appreciate you sending me for that yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah it was i would have just they would have just left it if it mm. wasn't for the first of all if it wasn't for the gp referral to me then that would never have got seen to so i'm glad the gp referred yeah to me as well to have a proper look at it so. and, and that's why we need these this this open referral pattern from GPs as well and and for GPs to actually have a bit of faith into what we do and, and our screening processes because um, you know quite often they will just sort of push for uh, us to see people in pain mm. however pain is such a huge broad spectrum of issues and pathologies that can result in pain um, it can be anywhere between just a simple sprain strain to full-blown cancer. Pain Huge. is absolutely crucial. However, what it also means is when there is any sort of bodily pain, GPs, don't be scared to just refer them to us, try and get a second opinion or whatever it is, because potentially if it is something pathological, we will refer them back to you. Mm -hmm. If it is something MSK, we will look after them. It's, it's that relationship that is so crucial to try and get that patient to feel as though they are being looked after. And I'm thinking sat here, as you're saying that, I'm thinking like maybe some patients will go, God, then if I feel something's not right, then maybe I'll just go straight to A&E. No, mm. in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, if it's very obvious, go. But I've even had patients who I've seen before and I always tell them after the first appointment, if you have any questions or if you have a query anything or I even say even if it's the last time I see them or I'm not seeing them for months, I say to them like, listen, in between this time between I see you, if anything comes up at all, if you have any questions or need any advice or anything, give us a call. I will call you back. We can discuss it on the phone. And then a lot of them go, really? I'm like, yeah. And I've had patients do that and go like, something's come up. Mm do I need to be worried about this? What should I do? And we yeah. go through it on the phone and there have been occasions where I've been like, uh, can we just get you in for today? I've got a little space here and it will even for just be cases where I'll just have a look at it yeah, and just yeah, yeah. won't do anything. Yeah. I'll just go like, I don't think that needs any further investigate. Like, I don't think it's that. I think this is what it is. Mm -hmm. Or if I go, I've had a couple come in and it's been like, yeah, you need to get that scene to like now. Like that's, yeah. but that's a big, that's a big spiel. And I think, What's fantastic in what you've said is the speed that we do get these people in. And it, it, it's something that is just not available that often for a lot of people. So for them to go, oh, you're seeing me today, that's fantastic. Because yeah. what you're doing is you're facilitating for them to get the treatment that they require at such a speed that, you know, that it can't be faulted in a sense. That's it. And like... It could just be any old patient with any who comes sees me regularly for any old kind of just general little ache or pain who've had nothing ever in their medical history to cause any problem or any harm. Mm. But then out of nowhere, they go, oh, well, something's come out of the blue here and I don't really know what to do. Yeah. It's nice to know that they first of all trust me mm -hmm. to be like, I, I feel like I can get some advice from him here yeah. because he says he can give me some advice. Yeah. Um, but it's also like depending how the conversation goes, if there was a red flag kind of thing kicking on, they go, oh, wow, he wants to get me in. Because if they, as I was going to say, sorry, if they're coming in for regular treatment and they get an appointment in three or four weeks time, mm -hmm. 
sometimes they may just go, oh, I'll hold on to that. I'll leave it for. So I always say to him, if anything new comes on or anything you're worried about, mm, give me a shout. Because I've had some people come back in and said, oh, I had a treatment a few weeks, so I just held on to it. And then they come in and I go, this needs just, me. yeah, you should, like, yeah, you should have given us cool because this needs looking at now. Yeah. And uh, I'd rather have a very quick conversation about something that isn't death defying or anything scary mm-hmm. than not have that conversation at all. And risk something else occurring. That's it. Even if it's like the most minuscule thing, like, oh, I think I felt my back twinge. I'd rather them just say it than mm. not say it at all. If you're worried about it, just give me a shout. Yeah. So I think with red flags, in all cases, um, go with your gut. You've got, yeah. if you, you know, osteopaths, doctors, chiropractors, physiotherapists. Um, Get an opinion. Get an opinion if you need it, but also you've got the right training to sort that out and and know what to do in those situations. And it is scary sometimes, but at the same time, you're only doing your job if you are a bit worried and you're sending them to the right place. And also, don't be scared to, if you are a practitioner, ask a colleague, ask a friend. They may be able to help you out a little bit. I mean, yes, we've got jobs where we're in a room on our own with the patient. But if you're working in a clinic or you've got other colleagues around, it is we are a team at the end of the day. All mm. we want is to help each other because at yeah. the end of the day, even if they're not my patient, you want to be able to make sure you're helping the practitioner, helping that patient. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. On that note, everyone, have a great day. Red flags. Yeah, boy. And ciao for now. Ciao for now. Yeah, boy.